Erev Tov, Erev Tov, good evening. We are back in the Mishneh Torah, the Rambam, with the comments of Rabbi Yosef Kapach. We're continuing in the chart of transmission, the lineage of the Torah Shebaal Peh from Moshe Rabbeinu to Yeshua, and all the way through until the Talmud. And right now, we're in the early stages of the transmission. We ended off last time with Pinchas. So it says on page Lamed Zayin in the second line, you'll see a little letter Yud Aleph to the left of that. Vikibel Eli min hazekenim Pinchas. Eli, Eli, who was a Kohen, received from the elders and from Pinchas. And we mention. From the Tanah de Veliyahu, the Pinchas lives all the way through until the generation of the terrible civil war, the Pilegish Begiv'ah. Ushmuel kibel me'eli u'bedino. And Shmuel, Shmuel receives the Kabbalah from Eli and his Bedin. V'david kibel me'shmuel u'bedino. And David... <clears throat> receives this transmission from Shemuel and his Bedin. So we go Pinchas, Eli, Shemuel, David HaMelech, Adav Shalom, Ve'achiyah HaShiloni, and Achiyah, the Shiloni, Miyotzei Mitzrayim Haya, was from those who left Egypt. Ve'levi Haya, and he was a Levi. Vishamami Moshe, and he heard the Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu. Vayakatan bima Moshe, but he was young. It was a small, maybe not young. It could be katan means that he was not a big tamichacham like he was later in his life. In the days of Moshe. Bedino, and he received the tradition from David and his Bedin. So even though he was born in the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu, he receives his tradition from David Hamelech. Let's take this apart piece by piece before we get into Achiyah Shiloni. How was he from Egypt? Before we get into any of that, we first have to discuss a little bit about Eli, Shemuel, the relationship between the two of them. So let's look at footnote 13. Footnote 13 in the left column, Kiryat Melech, who wrote Kiryat Melech? Remember, that was Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky. Kiryat Melech Tzien Lebarchot Amen Aleph Bet. He gives a source for this idea From Masechet Berchot, page 31b. More halacha bifne rabachat. That you taught halacha before your rabbi. Meaning you, Shemuel, taught halacha, ruled on halacha before your rabbi. Who? Your rabbi, Eli. Uvi Yerushalmi, Eruvin, and Talmud Yerushalmi, tracted Eruvin. Al amidot shamad bifne Eli rabo, kilu amad bifne ashkina. That Shemuel stood up. For, for Eli, his rabbi, as one stands for the Shekhinah, mamash for the Shekhinah. And here I felt it was important to take a little pause and discuss a little bit about the history of Eli and Shemuel and the relationship between the two of them. You know, if we could take this into a history class, it would be so wise to take every one of these personalities and discuss their life and tell you who they were and where they were from and what they accomplished, what the Torah says about them, what Chachamim say about them. 
Unfortunately, as our rabbis tell us, if we were to do that, the time will cease to exist, but we will never run out of what to say. And because of that, I'm choosing highlights, highlights that I believe are important for us in our lives. Not just blank history lessons, but lessons that will give us ideas that are relevant to our lives today. He mentions brachot, lamed alef amud bet. Let's go there. I didn't bring my gemara brachot, and Baruch Hashem Yitzchak brought this beautiful gemara brachot, which I have to make sure that you can see me from. Do me lower a little. Yeah. yeah okay. This is what they call a chatan's shas. They give these to the grooms. I didn't get a chatan's shas. I just got to be the chatan. That was the best gift of them all. It's hot, 1962. If you remember the famous interaction in the Tanakh between Chana, the prophetess, and Eli HaKohen, where Chana comes to pray, and Eli accuses her of being drunk. How dare you be drunk here? She was praying for a son. And the story here is a beautiful story. If, I, if you can, when you have time later, to look into the source in the Gemara that I sent out in the Google Classroom. If you want to find this Gemara now, you want to look in Masechet Brachot, Talmud Bavlim, Masechet Brachot, Daf Lamed Aleph, page 31b towards the middle, second half of the page. Take it back a page on your own time and read through this narrative here. It's fascinating. I once gave a shiur the whole night of Shavuot on this chapter of Masech Brachot before my Sunday days. I prayed for this son. Our Chachamim say, what does Chana mean when she says, I prayed for this son? It seems like she's, she's insisting something, she's arguing something on behalf of her son. What's the backstory behind this Pasuk? Amar Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar says, Shemuel was guilty of ruling on a matter of halakha before his rabbi. Shneemar, like it says, Vayishchetu et apar, they slaughtered the ox, Vayaviu et anar et Eli, and they brought the anar to Eli. So they slaughtered the ox, and they bring him to Eli. Mishum divishchetu et apar, reviu anar et Eli, says the Gemara, because they slaughtered an ox, they bring the nar, they bring the young boy Shemuel to Eli. What, what does that have to do with slaughtering an ox? Amar lahu. El amar lehen, right? They said to them, Amar leeli, keru kohen. Eli tells them, call for a kohen. Tell them to come and slaughter the animal for us. 
Shemuel saw that they were searching for a Kohen to come slaughter the animal. Amar lehu, and he told them, Lama lehu kohen mishchat? Why are you seeking out a Kohen to slaughter the animal? Shechita bezar kishera. Halacha says that azar, what does it mean azar? A foreigner, one who is not a Kohen, is kasher, he's allowed to do the shechita in the Ber Mikdash. Aitu lekamed Eli. They brought him before Eli. Amar Eli tells him, Menalacha, from, from where do you know this? Who taught you that? How did you learn this? Ha'amar Miktiv, he tells him, is it written, Veshachata Kohen? It doesn't say, the Kohen should slaughter the animal, rather the Torah says, Vehikrivu ha'kohanim Ktiv, the Kohanim must offer the animal on the altar, but not that the Kohen has to slaughter him, anybody could slaughter the animal. From the step of Kabbalah and onwards, that's when the Kohanim have to get involved. But before then, it's okay. From here you see, that the Shechita is kasher for, for someone who's not a Kohen. That's a beautiful teaching. That's a, that's a beautiful analysis of this Pasuk. But... You are guilty of violating the prohibition of ruling on a halakha before your rabbi. I am Elia Kohen, I am your rabbi, I am in charge of the Mishkan here. How dare you rule a halakha before me? And anyone who rules halakha before his rabbi, Chayav Mita, is liable for the death penalty. comes. and she screams, I am the woman standing here. Don't worry, Hana. I know you prayed for a son your whole life. Let me punish him, and I'll get you a better son. I'll pray to Akadosh Bahu. And you'll have a son that's even greater than this Shemuel. Amrale, she answers back, El Hanar Hazehit Palalti. I prayed for this son, not for a son. I prayed for this son. Now, the beauty of this piece of Agadah, if you would sit on this Pasuk, and the commentaries of Chachamim around this Pasuk, and the commentaries of the Chachamim on the writings of the Chachamim about this Pasuk, there's some beautiful messages you could come and reach about a mother, her love for her child, her insistence to fight a system to protect her child. But I came here to deal with the halakha. This halakha of Eli saying, you were forbidden from ruling halakha before me. It's nice, what you said is true, but you don't have the right to rule halakha here. By the way, Tosafot has an interesting question. If you click on this piece of Talmud and you click uh, commentary, you should see Tosafot. Tosafot says, Ruling halakha before your rabbi. Even though at this point in time, Shemuel could have been very young in this story. At this point in time, Shemuel had not yet learned Torah from Eli. 
מכל מקום גדול הדור היה. ובא ללמוד לפניו. Nonetheless, Eli was the giant of his generation, and Shemuel had come to study from him, even though he had not yet studied from Eli, because he was such a great rabbi in his generation, Shemuel had wanted to study Torah from him. This is already in the category of his rabbi. His rabbi, in front of whom it is forbidden to rule in matters of halakha. You know, when you look in the Gemara, so you have today's safari, you can click, it will link you to every Rambam, every Shulchan Aruch, every tour you want. But in the olden days, you had to go look it up on the side. These teachings here, about the respect that one must give one's rabbi, directly, is ruled directly into Halakha. You know, normally, Kabbalah Biyadenu, that one shouldn't teach people the halachot of respecting one's rabbi. Why? Somebody may come to think that you're praising yourself. Hey, this is how you have to respect me. So I'm already um, I'm announcing now that I'm teaching this halachot. For example, when I am obligated to my rabbi have a parents. These halachot are not intended to be speaking about me. These are important halachot to discuss though. And so if you'll allow me, Let's go to the Rambam. I added that also to the link in the Google Classroom. But if you have the Rambam's Mishneh Torah, it's going to be in this volume of the book. So if you want to flip through. Let me just get one more book. If you flip to page Shin Aleph. Shin Aleph. This is in the fifth chapter of the Rambam's laws of Talmud Torah. Amru Chachamim, our rabbis say, Mora Rabbecha Kemora Shamaim. The Mora, the awe that you have of your rabbi has to be like that that you have of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Lefichach, Amru Chachamim, because of that our Chachamim say, Kol HaCholek Al Rabbo, Anyone who argues with his rabbi, when you argue, not a debate, anyone who rules contrary to his rabbi, is as if he's arguing with the Kadosh Baruch Hu himself. If you recall, when the Ramah, in, in his letters, uh, I brought in my book, in Egeret Memchet, 48, the Ramah writes that anyone who argues on Maran is like arguing with the Shekhinah himself. I will never understand the fear that some have, oh, I'm Ashkenazi, how can I rule like Maran? The Ramah told you, anyone who argues with Maran is like arguing with the Shekhinah. And anyone who makes a fight with his rabbi, like he's fighting with the Shekhinah, anyone who, a great translation, gets angry, gets upset at his rabbi, it's as if he's being angry at the Shekhinah. Anyone who doubts, who suspects his rabbi, is like they're doing that about the Kadosh Baruch Hu, about the Shekhinah. But it's important to know, this is a legal code. To legal codes, there are legal definitions. 
says the Rambam, who is one who argues with his rabbi? What does it mean? What do you have to do to qualify as ruling against one rabbi in halakha? This is a person who established for himself a better midrash. V'yoshev, and he sits, v'doresh, and he teaches, v'mlamed, and he... Doresh and v'mlamed are the same, two types of teaching. Shelo birshut rabo. He's doing this without the permission of his rabbi. V'rabo kayam, and his rabbi is alive. V'af alpi sherabo b'mdina acheret, and this is true even if his rabbi lives in another country. So your rabbi is still alive. You're in a different country from him. It's forbidden for a student of this rabbi to open his own midrash and teach students. We're on the next page, uh, two pages, and a person is forbidden forever from ruling a halacha in front of his rabbi. And anyone who rules a halakha before his rabbi is liable for the death penalty. How many times was I in the shiur of our parents? And someone asked a question. Now sometimes I'm prepared to say, you know, Rabbi Sonzo, answer the question. Rabbi Sonzo, answer the question. To show you off or to show that his students know something. But someone asked a question. And they're waiting for one of us to answer. Which fool is going to open up his mouth and answer for not parents? Trust me, there are a lot of fools. All you have to do is go and watch the videos of the shiurim. A lot of fools. But those who were there who appreciated our parents, why don't speak? Don't speak unless spoken to. We ask a question, we don't want to hear his. We want to hear the rabbi's answer. We're not your answer is nice. We'll hear it later. We want to hear the rabbi's answer. How many times do you go to Shi'u Torah? Forget this halakha now. You go to Shi'u Torah and the rabbi will ask a question or somebody will ask a question in the audience and you always have that person. Always that person in the Shi'u, sometimes more than one. It depends where you're teaching but some places usually one. They always know the answer. They're the first one to rush out the answer. Now if they were right all the time, Diane, we would be uh, fine. Uh, we'd be quiet. But nine times out of ten, they're wrong. It's like the one who corrects the, the Koreh in the Bede Knesset. The Koreh is reading the Torah. And if this person, it's their job to correct. Not the one who's standing in the bima, The one who's uh, sitting in his chair. How many times is the person who screams out the correction, they're also wrong? How many times? It's a teva. The person who screams answers, usually they're wrong. mil. <laughs> If there was a certain amount of distance, physical distance between him and his rabbi, adam and a person asks this man a question, it's permitted to answer the question. So I'm 12 mil away from Rabbi Peretz. Somebody asks a question. I'm allowed to answer the question. And to keep someone away from doing an avera, even if you're in front of your rabbi, you're allowed to answer the question. Ketan, for example, You see someone doing something wrong in the Bada Midrash. He doesn't know that it's wrong. Because he's a Rasha. 
יש לו להפרישו, he should separate him from the איסור, ולומר לו, דבר זה אסור, אפילו בפני רבו. And to say this is forbidden, he can do this even in front of his rabbi. ואף על פי שנתן לו רבו רשות, even though his rabbi did not give him permission, listen to this rule, שכל מקום שיש חילול השם, in every place where there is a חילול השם, a desecration of God's name, אין חולקין כבוד לרב. We don't give respect to the rabbis. We respect the rabbi until it involves disrespecting HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Between respecting HaKadosh Baruch Hu and disrespecting a rabbi, we always respect HaKadosh Baruch Hu first. When is this relevant that a person who makes a midrash is forbidden from teaching or, or that he's permitted for, to answer the question outside of 12 mil? It was a one-time occasion. You're walking down the street, Oh, are you a rabbi? Yes, can you answer my question? Fine. But to establish oneself as a halachic authority, and to sit and to answer anybody's questions, even if he's on one side of the world, and his rabbi is on the other side of the world, it's forbidden for him to rule halacha until his rabbi dies. אלא אם כן, with the exception of, נטל רשות מרבו. If he received permission from his rabbi to rule on matters of halacha in his rabbi's lifetime, he's permitted to do so. ולא כל מי שמת רבו, מותר לו לשב ולהורות בתורה. And not everybody whose rabbi dies is now allowed to come and rule on matters of Torah. אלא אם כן, היה תלמיד שהגיע להוראה. The only one who is allowed to rule on matters of halakha when the rabbi passes is if it was the type of student who it's fitting for them, that they know, they have the ability, they are capable of ruling in matters of halakha. There's so many beautiful things in this chapter. Let's, let's stop with the Rambam here. I want to take you into the writings of Maran. In the same uh, material that I posted in the classroom, you'll find a link to Maran in Yore De'a, chapter 242, Resh Mem The title of this chapter is Not to rule matters of Halakha before one's rabbi. And the halachot surrounding when a rabbi is able to forgo his honor. Maran writes in Siman Aleph, uh, Siman Aleph, Siman Aleph, A person is obligated in the respect and awe of his rabbi more than his father. Ramah makes an interesting question. What if one's father is also his rabbi? Somebody 
whose father is his rabbi, he calls his father Ribi. Aval berabo sheno muvhak, but if his father is his teacher, this taught him many things, but it's not his main teacher. Kore oto Abba. He calls him Abba. Sif bet. Kol acholek al rabo, anyone who argues with his rabbi, kecholek al ashkina, is arguing with the shkina. וכל עושה מריבה עם רבו, קצת משכינה, וכל מתרעם עליו, כאילו מתרעם על השכינה, וכל המערהר אחר רבו, כמערהר אחר השכינה, word for word what we got from the רמב״ם. אין גימל. איזה הוא חולק על רבו? Who is one who is considered ruling against his rabbi? כל שקובע לא מדרש, ויושב ודורש ומלמד, שלא ברשות רבו, ורבו קיים. Anyone who establishes a midrash and rules and teaches halakha without the permission of his rabbi and his rabbi is still alive. Even though he's in a different country. Ramah mentions that if a student has compelling reason, solid proofs, to argue with his rabbi in one area of halakha, he's permitted to do so. I'm reading today Maran. Asur dalet. Asur l'adam lehorot ifne rabol le'olam. A person is forbidden to rule in front of his rabbi forever. V'chol ha-moreh lefanav chayav mita. And anyone who rules halakha before his rabbi is liable for the death penalty. Says Narama, "Vafilu netilat reshut lo mahane toch shalosh parsaot imu rabbo muvhak." If this is not just one's rabbi, but it's one's main rabbi, rabbo muvhak, it's his rabbi. Even getting permission from him does not allow one to teach Torah within a certain geographical closeness. Vim hu rachok mi rabbo, and if he's far from his rabbi, you'd bet me twelve mil. And someone asks him just one time, occasionally, a halakha. He can answer. But to establish himself as a halakhic authority and to rule, even if it's on the other side of the world, until either his rabbi dies or his rabbi gives him permission in his lifetime. <clears throat> Maran says that only a student in the 12 mil around his rabbi and his main student is liable for the death penalty. Some say that if one rules halakha outside of the 12 mil, he's not allowed to do it, but he's not liable for the death penalty. Section, hey. 
a student is not allowed to ordain other people, to give them smicha in the place, in the locale of his rabbi. All the halachot here is 36 halachot. But now one might understand when one goes to receive smicha or hasmacha from their rabbi. Today this understanding is some kind of diploma. You go for a course, Hashem some of them today, a few months, 10 months, 12 months, 18 months. You go, you study a few chapters on salt and meat and whatever else, cows, milking, milking cows, mixing the meat with the milk. They get a tuna, they go out and now they became a posek in all matters of halakha. When one receives permission from his rabbi to rule in halakha, he receives permission to rule in halakha because his rabbi felt, smicha, I can rely on this person. Originally, Samach Yadav, they would place their hands like you did to a korban, a sacrifice. They place their hands on that person's head. But it's an important thing that one, Natal Rashut Merabo, he received permission from his rabbi. Today you live in a fantastic world. When I was learning in Yeshiva, there were two tracks to get Asmacha from the chief rabbi of Israel, from Arab Peretz. Those who went by Arab Peretz, we sat with him for years. Four years, five years, maybe some in three years. You learn, you learn, you learn, you walk with him, you talk with him, you, you know him. He knows you, and by the end of the period of learning together, he says, listen, I feel like you should go be a, a rabbi somewhere. The way it works everywhere else. So in our yeshiva at least, you study with one rabbi, and he prepares you and prepares you and prepares you for the exams you're going to take in some big hall in the chief rabbinate office. And it's a scoring system. It's a grading system. You pass, you fail. I don't know how many percentages you need to pass or fail. Hundreds of people apply. They put in their tests. There are test checkers that check the tests. And whoever passes, the chief rabbinate says, oh, you have now been ordained by the chief rabbinate, by this rabbi, by that rabbi, and the chief rabbi signed their name. You never met the chief rabbis. You never learned from the chief rabbis. They don't know who you are. If they would see you in the street, they have no idea who you are. What kind of hasmacha is that? Why are there those that consider that a golden standard of hasmacha? What happened to the old school of mamash becoming someone's apprentice, becoming someone's someone's mishamesh to learn everything you possibly can from that person until they say, I put my personal trust in you. There's a, a piece here in Paleo and This I forgot to add to the Google Classroom. If you want, you can go to, I think in Safari, you click maybe Musar or Hashkafa, whatever section they have there, and you'll find the Paleo in there.
I want to make sure that we have enough time for Shukhan So, we're going to hold it right here. Uh, we'll do Pelirez maybe together on a Shabbat. We have an opportunity. If I could just remind you what we're up to, we are going to stop on page Lamed Zayin and the Rambam. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about David HaMelech, about Achia Shiloni. Our lesson though for tonight is in a world that has order, there are Chachamim. And those students, the Talmidei Chachamim, are those who learn in front of these Talmidei Chachamim. And when it comes time to pass on the baton of leadership over, there's a, a transfer, a transfer of authority to another student, to go to another place, to open a Midrash, to teach students, to learn Halakha with them. And this way, to expand the boundaries of Torah, to extend the borders of Torah all over the world. And part of what we are studying is this tradition, this transmission, Moshe, Yoshua, Yoshua, down the food chain. And understanding this concept of is crucial to understanding when one finishes being a student and becomes a teacher to the next generation. As our rabbis say, just like it is forbidden for a student who's not yet ready to be a teacher to teach, to rule on halakha, it's just as bad for one who is ready to be a teacher, who's ready to rule on halakhot, to stay quiet. My reading of that is that those who are quiet when really they should be great, leave a void. And that void is going to be filled by people are not worthy of leading and you think you're being humble but as it says Rabbim Chalalim Hipila Ve'atsumim Kol Harugeha those who rule when they should not rule and those who avoid ruling when it's really their place to step up to the plate of leadership both of those people are equally responsible for the destruction of the world for the destruction of a Jewish community that is functional that has leadership that can be looked up to leadership that can be trusted Bezat Hashem May we all realize when it is our time to lead in our own ways, in our own places, and to make sure that little foxes, that shu'alim ketanim, don't fill in all the crevices that we've left void because of false humility that keeps us away from giving the world the greatness that is within us. Bezat Hashem.